Success by William Arthur Ward Happiness comes not from having much to live on, but having much to live for. Success never resides in the world of weak wishes, but in the palace of purposeful plans and prayerful persistence. Pessimism achieves no success over persistence. Temporary defeat never spells total failure. One victory never assures permanent success. A real success is one who makes his mark in life without smearing others. Excellence without effort is as futile as progress without preparation. Work can be our friend or foe, or joy or woe. Success, like happiness, is more than a destination. It is a venture. More than achievement, it is an attitude. The greatest failure is the failure to try. Alter your attitude and you will change your life. Who seeks success, let him prepare. Improvement is the son of discontent. Success is the offspring of preparation. To emphasize the positive, the affirmative, is to travel the high road of joy. Welcome cryptic fans to another episode of the author's journey with your boy Gary Khan. The podcast where we share our experiences on the journey to becoming great authors. In today's episode, we look at defining success as a writer. What is success? What does it look like? Am I successful? Those are the things we all want to know as authors. The problem is, there's so many definitions of success, it's hard to know where we really stand ourselves. But don't worry, your boys got you, and today we're going to take a look at the different definitions of success, and then I'll share at the end my very own radically different definition of success. So stay tuned. There was a woman who began to write from a very early age. And she continued to write and write all the way through high school. Eventually, graduating from a great degree in literature, where she was very successful and praised by her professors, she began to work on the first draft of her very first debut novel. She submitted it to publishers, and what did you know? One of the big publishing houses picked it up, and they began immediately working on a plan to market her book. She sold 1,500 copies before the book was even published. The reviews began to flood in from famous authors reading her advanced reader copies. She gained hundreds of thousands of followers across the various social platforms. And by the time her book was released, she was an instant sensation. She made the New York Times bestseller list and sold millions of copies around the world. She was asked to come and sit in interviews on Ellen, on Oprah, and various other major networks. Famous people all around were clamoring about the book on social media and the likes. And eventually a Hollywood studio picked up the book 
and decide to give her a big deal to do the movie. And lo and behold, the box office movie was a smash. It made record killings on opening week. And the author was heralded as one of the popular authors of the time. Compare her story to another woman, also writing for many years throughout her life, um, having a difficult background and struggling to find the time to write while supporting her family. She had to get a job as a teenager to make sure that she could buy the textbooks necessary to do the schoolwork that she had. She didn't have the money to get into a good university and rather went to a normal college. She worked hard and carried on writing in every spare moment she got, but it was very difficult. Yet everyone who read her work said there was something magnificent about it, a deeper truth, a true reflection of art that they could see in the pages. She decided to write her first novel and try to get it published with various publishing houses, but not a single person picked it up. She then worked several jobs to make sure that she could self-publish the book, because it had always been a dream of hers. She did it. She published the book, and she began to market it on her own social media platforms, and ultimately, after a year and a half of pushing the book, she amounted to a thousand followers across her various social platforms. She still continued to submit the book to various publishing houses and got rejection upon rejection. In total, approximately 35 rejections from publishers around the world. But that didn't deter her. She continued to work on a craft and continued to push the book. And one or two critics picked it up and acclaimed it one of the great literary novels of the times. So much so that some university circles also got a hold of the book and they took it and they started to teach it in their syllabus and course. And they spoke about the clear distinction of the artistic capability, the deeper truth, the mirror on the human condition that the book reflected. And yet, very few copies were sold. In the entire lifetime of that woman, she sold 200 copies of the book. Now, there's two very radically different stories. Which of the two ladies would you say was successful? Which would you say was more successful? Interesting. This is the difficulty of defining success. Unless you have clear metrics, it's not very clear in a distinct way. But naturally, our minds would run to the person who sold more books, who was popular, who had Hollywood deals, who made more money, who was more famous. And we would generally decide that they are the more successful author by human standards. So let's look at some definitions or metrics, if you will, around what success looks like. You've got the quantitative metrics. Let's look at those. You've got sales. You've got reviews. You've got awards or recognition. You've got publishing. You've got speed of popularity. And these are some things that I picked up from various sources, most notably from Anne Richards' brilliant article, on ingenuumbooks.com. Also picked up another brilliant article by Dale Darley on bookbrandbusiness.com. Definitely check out those two articles. Fantastic reads if you're wanting to delve into more detail. 
I also took to the streets and uh, scoured the social platforms. Cora was very helpful. There were seven responses from various authors defining what they saw success as, as well as the various social media platforms. You got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I reached out to my fan network as well as my extensive author and reader network to see what they thought success was. And I came up with a few common trends. So sales being the first one, everyone talks about the higher the sales of the book, meaning how many copies you've sold at the selling price that you have them at, the more successful you are. With reviews, they spoke about how many reviews you have and the quality of reviews. So typically the reviews are about out of five stars and the two platforms that are most important with that regard is Amazon and Goodreads, which are actually the same company because Amazon acquired Goodreads. So same thing. But the more channels you have good reviews on and the more reviews, the more successful. Then we add awards. How many awards has the novel won or the blog that you're writing won? What kind of recognition are you receiving from industry peers and other platforms? Then you have publishing. Are you able to publish it traditionally? Because the whole metric there is that traditional publishers only pick up great content. And then you have the speed of popularity. So the books out there, you've got a traditional publisher, and there are many authors like that. But how popular is the novel? How well distributed across the world is it? How many people are aware of it and aware of you as an author? You have some problems with the definition. By all senses, the literary greats of our current time, like J.D. Salinger, had a fantastic and high-quality set of novels and yet sales-wise didn't achieve the same successes as the likes of a J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter. So can sales really be a metric that we use for success? There are some flaws there. In terms of reviews, we know how it goes. Certain people are looking for certain things, and not everyone else is equipped to study and define and review literature from all the correct aspects. So a book that might be qualitatively written might get very bad reviews. I've had several friends in my circle read Moby Dick, for example, which is just an iconic piece of art. And most of them have given it very poor reviews just because they said it was written with an old style that they couldn't really get access to. Lord of the Rings is a set of books that are amazing. What a great series. And yet, many young people reading the book said that it was very difficult to read because it used such high-class English. And they were looking for a more easier read to get into. For example, The Hunger Games, which was a lot more accessible to them. So there we go. How well can we say reviews work there? Because reviews are so subjective. And what about awards and recognition? Don't get me started around access. There are certain people from certain backgrounds that have access to awards and recognition where they're from. So here in South Africa, we do have certain awards available, 
but they're only able to be accessed by those of affluence. So you have a whole set of authors who don't have access to enter their books and works into the same awards and recognition. And the definitions alone used to qualify which are winning submissions and losing submissions are very rigorous. We talk about the old God and their privileged ways limiting the scope of what is good and what is not. Now, there again, we have a whole bunch of subjectivity in the mix. A good example of this is the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio only won one Oscar for his role in The Revenant. And yet, just a few years prior to that, he's done such amazing movies. You've got The Aviator. You've got Django. You've got The Wolf of Wall Street. All brilliant movies in their own right. And yet, by their definition, each year, some random movie won the award. And I never agreed with it. Now, you can tell that I'm a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan. Cappy Cap, my boy. And then we have publishing. So, once again, not many people have access to publishers from where they are. Africa, there's some limitations. And yet, you can apply globally to anyone anywhere around the world. And yet, what they are looking for is not necessarily contextual to the kind of culture and the background and the stories that perhaps the African child or young man or young woman would be sharing. So traditional publishing houses are looking specifically for the things that will maximize their sales, not necessarily high art. So what do you have there? You've got a mix of a company operating for its best interests and its bottom line. Not great from that perspective in terms of a quantitative measure. What about self-publishing? Oh, well, then anyone can publish. And yet, again, the financial aspect comes into play because self-publishing a novel, and I know the experience, is quite a pricey one. There's all these things that you have to pay for that generally the traditional publishing house takes on for themselves and knows that they're going to capitalize on the profits thereof. Speed of popularity. Now, anyone who's ever been voted in on a popularity contest in high school knows that that's just a trash measure. You can tell the fact that literatica is highly popular in the world and the quality of writing is so poor that popularity doesn't make sense. That's just my opinion. So, quantitative measures, each one of those can be quantified and yet we can see that there's some flaws with them inherently. Let's look at some qualitative metrics. The practicality of the work is something that came up through the forums. Practicality, how useful is the work? Now that kind of definition only really applies to non-fiction works. If you're writing, let's say, a tutorial on how to play the guitar, um, how-to guides of any sort, you know, biographies, etc., they are practical, so are the self-help business books because they equip you with knowledge and they achieve the purposes of which they were intended. Yeah, great. However, that only limits the scope of a certain set of books. Are we saying fiction works, which are not practical at all, are not great quality? That metric doesn't work either. What about engagement? 
a lot of authors trying to sound noble on social media say, I just want people to read my books. Anyone, if I just have one fan read my book, fantastic. So you have engagement. One person's read your book and they shared it on social media. The problem is there's works that have not been shared on social media or not been engaged with that are extremely of high caliber and high quality. Again, we talk about the literary fiction, especially the classics, which are not so popular amongst the young crowd now. Are we going to say that those works, because they're not getting as much engagement, are poor? Very difficult to use that metric. And then you have the other side. The book helps people reflect. It shows them the human condition. It gets people to think. Now, there's a lot of books that I've read in my time that were just numbing content, except that's exactly what I needed to read at that particular time. Brilliant books in their own right. It was fun. It was light. And that was the point. So are we saying those kinds of novels are now precluded because they don't get people to think? Is there not a place and a time for that kind of novel? And so how can we use that gauge to determine what is successful and what is not? And what about passion? How passionate I am as an author does not necessarily define success. You've got passionless fools that have written fantastic novels by the graces of the muses. So seemingly that doesn't apply either. So as you can see, we don't have a very perfect set of definitions and it's all very subjective. As I went through that list, you most likely were selecting one. And the most popular is the one I started off with, sales, because it's money in the pocket. Everything in our world is defined around measuring how much money you have. And yet the happiest people in the quotient on the World Health Organization's metrics are those people groups from impoverished countries. Now that's a staggering and ridiculous statistic, but doesn't it get us thinking? Money isn't everything, and yet it is in terms of the world and making the world go round. It is so fundamental in the way we live our lives, and that's because the man has set the system up like that. And I don't mean to sound like a conspiracy nut, but isn't it interesting? So, Let's get into some practicals as we round up our episode. Here's how I define success. Success is progress. Dun, dun, dun. Now everyone's probably sending hate mail through and I'm getting the death threats from all the authors who I'm insulting with this podcast episode. This one's for you, my haters. All right, let's look at that. Success is selecting a particular metric and I don't like selecting one. I'd recommend you use them all because they're so shallow individualistically that you'd have to have a comprehensive set of metrics that you use. And I'd say, build this out, put them down and have a target. So when you talk about sales, let's start off with that. Say that you're going to sell five books. That's your target. Do it. Sell five books. And then after you've sold five books, say, now I'm going to sell 10 books. What's happened there? Progress. Reviews. Go and write a book and then go and get an honest review, not from your buddy or your mom, but a true and honest review from someone who doesn't know you from a bar of soap. Have them give you a one star because your writing is trash. Go back to the drawing board, work in your craft, publish a second book and go and get that person to read it 
and get them to give you a review. And if they give you a three star, boom, you're making progress. What about awards? Write, submit your book for awards, get declined, go back to the drawing board, write another one, publish the thing and and submit it for an award and win the damn thing. Publishing, that's pretty binary. See how well you can get into a publishing house. And I'm talking about traditional publishing because anyone can self-publish or most given access. So what you do is go and find out from the editors, from the selectors, what they are specifically looking for. Go back to the drawing board, write something that has the quality, the capacity, the marketability for them to publish. And then you go back and showcase it. There's so many brilliant articles and a lot more coming on this channel that will talk about how to help you get your works published by traditional publishers. So stick around for that. Let's look at speed of popularity. Start working on your social platforms. Start pushing out content. If it's your blog, see how many people subscribe. Go back to the drawing board. Take a course. I love the ones on Udemy. Brad Merrill's course on, Bra on Udemy on blogging. Again, I'm mentioning for a second time. Fantastic. Really helped me. Work on your craft. Work on it. Work on it. Work on it. Work harder on it than anyone else in the world is working on theirs. And build stuff that's engaging. And then see how many people are subscribing now. In this month, five people subscribed. Next month, six people subscribed. That's progress. Look at qualitative metrics. Practicality, if you're writing that kind of thing, yeah, well, sure. Then look at how useful the book was. Maybe look at reviews, run surveys with your demographic and see what they're saying. If your work is not as practical or helpful, then maybe change up the content, deliver it in a new style. And this works especially with blogs. If you are writing how-to guides and those kinds of things, comparisons and advice and, and things that you are trying to give your audience isn't as engaging, isn't as helpful, then adjust it. Go and work on your craft. Come back to the drawing board. Um, work hard on it again. Keep pushing and then put it out there and get the interviews and the reviews and that kind of thing and see what people are saying. Are they more readily able to engage? Again, talking about engagement, people reading social media, again, measure the progress over the months and the time where you are doing different things. It's easy with blogs in the sense that your turnaround time to pushing out the final product is shorter, be it a month, a week, or daily if you're brave. But with novels, it's a little bit longer turnaround time. You have a lot more time to think and make sure that you're working on building the content out to be really great. But again, focus on the quality and add value and the results will come. Getting people to think that's one that's very difficult to see progress, but if you're writing mind-numbing stuff, which has a place, then try write deep, meaningful content, thought-provoking stuff, or vary it up and flip it around. That's progress too. You're just changing it up, keeping your readers on their toes. Passion, well, that's just something that everyone should have underlying. So I wouldn't want to include that one there. If you're not passionate about your work, it's going to reflect in everything it is that you do and... No one's going to want to follow um, a lifeless plastic fork, right? So make sure you're not a lifeless plastic fork. The big takeaway is there's no clear way to measure success. 
There's no clear definition other than the one that you make for yourself. But I would highly recommend that progress be the underlying pillar that you use to do that. Because then you can gauge where you are today and see that you are better tomorrow. And that will really just make sure that no matter what metric you're using, you're always moving forward. And as an author, that's what you want to be doing. That's it from me. I hope this episode's been helpful to you. Check out my socials in the description below. Please subscribe to this episode if you liked it. Share it with others who you feel could benefit from the message. And let's let's get the, the message out there. Let's share it with the world. But that's all from me, your boy. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, tune in next week when we look at some more awesome content. But for now, Humber Cartley.